1: I'm Suzanne Fritz Hansen, enthusiastic iPhone picture taker. And
0: I'm Michael Rubin, photographer, founder of Neo Modern, and Grumpy Old Man, and we're in San Francisco tonight. Welcome. Hey, Suzanne.
1: Hey, Rubin.
0: It's almost our hundredth episode. It's not, but it's close.
1: I know, and I like how you almost forgot how we started the show. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I was marveling that you can forget something like that. I was like,
1: <laughs> <Me too. laughs>
0: well, usually you're here with me and we're doing this where we're not exactly in the same place.
1: This is this is true. We are doing, we're doing this via Skype today. So, I know. um, but I like your, it is, it's a little different.
0: It's, it's actually more cozy cause I'm home and, uh, in my living room instead of at work. So, you know,
1: fair. <laughs> that is, that is
0: cozier. Um, and what else did I want to tell you? I, Alina got into college today.
1: <gasps> oh my gosh. Congrats. Congratulations! She that is, is fantastic news. She's out Where's of she her going? mind.
0: She's going to Villanova. And she got in early, <gasps> and she is just crazy excited. I, I don't think I've ever seen her so happy. And <laughs> it, it's making me very nostalgic for like her like being a baby, because she just had this moment. <laughs> anyway, I mean, I'm, it makes me... Very glad that I have the pictures I do, and honestly, yeah. it's about the editing of them because I've got a billion pictures of her, but um, it's the twelve. You can
1: like, flip through them. It's it, like flip through them as a flip book. Yeah, <laughs> it's just a,
0: it's somehow having the the right moment captured and the right time span between them, and yeah. just that it not only feels like a, a it's a good photo because it has it captures that moment. Now, as a father, this is the moment where you want that ha- moment to have been captured and you relive it and kind of tear up a little bit. And,
1: cause she's Well, I am so happy for her. Thank you. And I mean, proud of you, too. I mean, thank you. You've, you've raised a girl that's going to college, two kids in college. That's, you've done something right. I, I think I should
0: retire now. <laughs> I'm done.
1: <Yeah. laughs> So. I, I think you have, right? You just you keep retiring, then you keep coming up with a new a new business, a new thing to do, and then you keep retiring and then you come up with something else. It's, it's a uh, sickness. It's part of your ebb and flow. I
0: suppose so thank you. <laughs> uh, well I'm very excited for her and um and I'm excited. We have a guest with us tonight. We
1: do. We do. Do you want
0: to introduce our guest? That's we're equally as close to the sky.
1: <laughs> sure. Um, well, our guest today is a nature and wildlife photographer, Nate Luby. Nate, this is Reuben.
2: Hey. Hey guys. Nice to meet you both. Where and where are you today? I am in Seattle, Washington, which is where I "quote unquote" live. Although I feel like I kind of only rest my head here in between projects, but <laughs> what kind of t- I think right here—that's what counts. So right? you're
0: a wilderness guy. What kind of projects are? Tell me what project are you resting between?
2: Um, let's see. Well, I just got back from a pretty big assignment with Visit Montana, which then, uh, which is you know the tourism board for the state of Montana. So and you then that went- so you visited Montana. I did. Okay. Yep. It was actually that was a fun project because that is where I was born originally. So I was really? both visiting Montana and returning. I guess like a salmon. Is it
1: your first time back in Montana <laughs> since you were <laughs> since your birth and early early childhood?
2: Uh, no, no, I've been back since then. But it it felt cool, like a kind of a fun vindication of the career that the entire state hired me to represent them. Uh, have, for, that is cool. Yeah. Campaign. It's fun. Yeah.
1: One of their own <laughs> yeah, exactly. but you're,
0: so you you were born in Montana, but you grew up in Colorado?
2: Yeah. We moved there when I was very young. But I think that, you know, kind of explains how I ended up the way I did. born in Montana, raised in the mountains of Colorado. and I, yeah, uh, that would do. haven't really settled down since then, I guess
0: I would say the patina of wilderness is upon you.
2: That's going on my business card.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so you're back from Montana, and where are you off to after this?
2: Um, I am fortunate enough to be in kind of a lull. December is pitching season for putting together projects for next year and stuff. So, I don't have a whole lot lined up other than going back to Colorado for Christmas, just hanging out with uh, the family. Obviously, got a you know, put the herd on with some ping pong, beat them into submissions so they know who's in charge. <laughs> and then uh, after that, I'm going to Sun Valley, Idaho in, in January.
1: For skiing or for more photography?
2: Uh, both, which is the best kind of project. Yeah. So you've managed... So, what?
1: I was going to say, so what does that project look oh, like? What yeah. was the brief?
2: Um, So it's just kind of like general tourism boards showcasing the beauty of the area, you know, so some landscape stuff, but then a heavy focus on winter recreation. So it'll be skiing, probably some backcountry skiing as well as at the resort. Uh, I actually don't know a ton about it quite yet, except that they did ask how much I weigh for paragliding, which <laughs> is both <laughs> thrilling and a little scary. <laughs> have you done that before? Um, I actually have not. No, my mom did it, but
0: yeah. What's the That's most how- extreme thing you've done with a camera in your hand?
2: Oh my gosh, the most extreme thing I've done with the camera in my hand. Um, I mean, I've photographed polar bears a couple times, which is pretty extreme, I guess. And then um, we had one this year get probably within about 15 yards of us, which is significantly closer than you want a wild bear of any kind to be. (laughs) With nothing between you and the bear, you know. Yeah. Well, so I was with like some of the most incredible guides uh, that in the world honestly and I'm not just being superlative with that they're general genuinely like some of the best bear guides there can be so I felt safe uh, which is kind of funny I'm like sitting there with my huge camera lens bears are my favorite animal so I'm just I'm having a panic attack but like excitement I'm just like a human being can be and then afterwards the guides were kind of like oh my gosh we really got lucky there and I was like oh (laughs) you don't want to hear that before Crap! I forgot. I forgot what was happening. I was just so pumped, but it was great. You know, built out the portfolio.
1: <laughs> Do you have any of those pictures um, up on your like, up on your site or anything yet, or anything you could kind of describe maybe your favorite image of that shoot?
2: Yes, totally. I actually um, Sony uh, Alpha just shared one yesterday. Um, mm-hmm. My photo of the bear, and it was actually from that encounter. It was this this uh big he's kind of a young male but he's getting up there in size nearly full grown um and he he was kind of displaying what you might call hunting behavior he wasn't literally trying to hunt us maybe uh, <laughs> maybe he was Fingers crossed. but he was um you know head down walking directly at us and it's one of those shots you know you dream about for a decade and then when it finally happens you like can't believe it and so i got this shot at eye level with a polar bear walking directly at me i um, very fortunate. So, yeah, wow. Wow. Um, that's up all over the Internet. I've been trying to spread it as far and wide as I can. Oh, cool. <laughs> well, we'll do our part,
0: you know. Yeah. Put, it, put it in the show notes. It's always great to have show notes where people can see your work and, and stuff we're referring to on the show. Um, so you're a wilderness kind of guy. So you have managed to figure out a way to get paid to go on these fun, exotic, exotic adventures because you're a photographer, did that? Did you, was that a purposeful creation? Like, how can I keep yeah. doing this?
2: Yeah, it's funny because people ask me the origin story all the time, and it's kind of a weird combination of like an accident and not an accident. So I I had a day job for five years. I worked in the beer industry, which sounds fun, but it was a lot of physical labor. So maybe not as glorious as people imagine. Um, I would kind of like decompress after, you know, an eight hour shift of like lifting heavy things and just go on a hike, Um, you know, climb to the top of a mountain and just like take a deep breath and watch the sunset. And, you know, um, which is how I was raised, just doing stuff like that. And eventually I was like, wow, you know, I have this really low quality camera phone with me and I sort of would take bad photos of it. And uh, I decided I kind of enjoyed that. I'd put them on Facebook and people liked seeing where I went. And so then I invested in a decent camera. And uh, immediately was addicted, which um, has probably led to the most money I've ever spent on one thing in my life, but that's okay. <laughs> um, yeah, and so I, I got myself kind of a nice camera, and I goofed around with it, and I guess I had some sort of a hidden talent, because I got decent at it somewhat quickly, and um, eventually I ended up selling a photo, which to me at the time was like a absolutely shocking thing that somebody would pay for this photo of a tree. It's <laughs> um, a great moment. Describe-
1: Describe your first photo that you sold.
2: So it was, was a. Was it like getting into college? Sorry. I, <laughs> I said, I'm stuck in it. Not that. nearly that. Exciting. Okay, no, no, keep going. Sorry. No. no, no, that's totally okay. So somebody like bought a print of just a tree at sunset that I took on a hike. And I was like, oh, that's kind of fun. And then a couple weeks later, uh, Osprey, the backpack company uh, out of Colorado, actually, they saw a photo that I put on my Instagram and they shared it. And then Sierra Designs asked me to take a couple photos of one of their sleeping bags. And that was like my first actually getting hired, uh, instance, my first instance of getting hired, um, which was very cool. And I decided that I kind of liked that because my physical labor job didn't really pay very well. It it sounds
0: so effortless. I I think people will hear that story and think, really? Oh man, you just (laughs) did that. And they called you and they hired you. Is that really how it went?
2: No, I guess that's a good question for sure. So I also should mention that was over the span of like two years. It wasn't like, boy, I want to make some money. And then like, you know, snap, 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 suddenly I'm loaded. It was like, you know, somebody bought a print. And like eight months later, Osprey shared a photo on Instagram. I'm like, this is cool. And so I sent a couple emails, didn't get a response to any of them. And then after taking it very casually for a couple months, got a response from Sierra Designs because I already owned a bunch of their stuff, and they decided to take a chance on me. I'm um, I'm comfortable enough now to admit that they hired me probably before I was a good enough photographer to deserve it, and I am eternally grateful to them for taking the chance on me. <laughs> um, nice. uh, I was drastically underpaid because I had no idea what to ask for, and uh, it was good. It was a good learning experience. I I took some photos that ended up being used in a commercial way, and it was Immensely addicting do you think they take
0: advantage of really good young or new photographers who don't know what to charge that they can do you think it's done? Thoughtfully on companies parts that they can get really good work from beginning people before they cost too much
2: um I don't want to say yes because I don't believe it's malicious, but I do believe I mean, you know like if they want a ten thousand dollar package and I quote them $1,000, they're not gonna just volunteer that $9,000 up for free. Um, and I have to admit, I don't know if I would in their shoes either. Um, so, <laughs> I do think they, they underpay if you don't know what to ask for on purpose, but I, I wouldn't say it was malicious.
1: I guess I would also think, um, I mean, just too, if it's, a, if it's they're kind of taking a chance on you, and if it's you're asking for a lot less, then they're going to be like, "All right, well, we might have to do this again. We might have to hire right. someone else." Right. So I mean, just kind of thinking it through. And until you get the education and the experience, that you truly know what to ask for, it's just part of the education.
0: Uh, Absolutely, totally. That's actually right. They are taking a chance on you. They know if you only charge them a thousand and they're used to paying ten, that they may be getting what they pay for.
2: But oh, it could be sorry. a surprise. Hold on, I... Cool. Okay. Sorry, we have food delivery on the way, and so. Oh, we, I understand your priorities. You.
1: You, no, My it'd be my priority too. What'd you order?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I actually ordered sushi because it's a treat yourself kind of day. You know, sometimes you have to been digging through the leftovers for a while. And tonight I decided God. I needed some food and we're going to we're going to hit the Netflix hard after this. You do that. Nice.
0: OK, wilderness photography. So you you found yourself doing this work and you you now charge appropriately. I imagine you figured that out.
2: I mean, yeah, you know, it's an ever-evolving thing. the oh. The more your skills evolve, the more you can ask for, but that also means the more people tell you to go jump in a lake because that's out of the budget.
0: But the uh, more comfortable you are with your skill, that you can deliver quality work at that price, and you you're like you know you can handle that, and that's what they want is to know that it will be handled, it'll be beautiful, their product will look great, the sun will be in the perfect spot, right? Exactly,
2: and it, there is something to be said also about the the security blanket of having a somewhat established career where I am now able to say no to an underpaying gig. And I, you know, I spent probably two years at the point where even if they were only offering me 15% of what I wanted, I kind of didn't have the luxury of saying no, Um, which is, you know, it's exhausting. You find yourself working 90 hour weeks because you just literally have to stack project after project to pay bills and it's tough for people getting into the industry because they're they're going to be in that position but i think once if you can suffer through it for a couple years to all the new photographers out there if you can <laughs> suffer through those low paying gigs for a couple years build that portfolio up eventually you will get what you charge you know you'll you'll get paid enough to make ends meet comfortably and not feel like you have to pull your hair out
0: i'd like to focus on the the creative side of what you do and not the business side of I want to know about the Crete, you as a photographer. Sure. Do you take pictures in your daily life as well as in your wilderness life, or are those the same thing? (laughs) I mean, you
2: know. Um, You mean just like. Oh, yeah, definitely. Which is. I'm very fortunate that this has turned into my career because I definitely am just like a camera person. I just like taking photos of stuff, which is great. What is it that draws you to that? You know. It's something I've kind of thought about a lot, especially because I, I have to admit I take a little personal offense when people are like, oh, just put your camera down, and live in the moment. Because for me, as somebody who just genuinely loves photography, that is living in the moment for me, and I think that's part of what it is. Um, you know, you let's say that you drive to let, let's pick a really famous spot like Tunnel View in Yosemite, right? One of the most mm-hmm. photographed locations in the world. You pull up, there's 400 people standing on that ledge looking down Yosemite Valley, how how long are most of those people there, right? They'll park, they walk over, they look for 30 seconds, they get in their car and they drive on. Um, You know, you and I get there an hour and a half before sunset, we walk from one end of the parking lot to the other side looking at the way the trees will block Yosemite Falls. Is this tree blocking El Capitan? Can I see Half Dome down there? How does the light move up the canyon wall as the sun starts to set? Are the clouds moving through? Uh, is it better to zoom in on this part or shoot it extra wide? And after that, I've been there for two hours and I feel like I've looked at every tree, every rock, every cloud in that valley inside and out. Uh, and so for me, that's, I think that's part of it. I'm living in the moment using the camera and that, even if it's not that in-depth of a an issue, just like pull out the iPhone to take a photo of some delicious food at a restaurant, which I am unashamed to say I definitely do, it helps me kind of, you know, appreciate where I am and look at things
1: differently. How do you differentiate your photos? So if you're going to the, you're going to a lot of beautiful places that um, other people are going, how do you differentiate your photos from everyone else's?
2: You know, it's tough sometimes. Sometimes I just don't. Um <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Tunnel View in Yosemite, you have to sometimes just take the classic shot, right? There's there's 100,000 photos just like it, but this one's mine. <laughs> do you also and push to,
0: like, once you've got that picture that is your yeah. version of everyone's, do you also
2: try to get the picture that no one would get? Absolutely, yep. Um And then I'm going to butcher this horribly, but I subscribe to Paul Nicklin's newsletter because he's, in my mind, one of the best of all time. And he was talking about his breakdown 20, 60, 20, where, you know, the first 20% and the last 20% of a photo shoot are making sure you get like the classic, the shot you need. And then you can take that 60% in the middle and just be wild, experiment, make weird things happen. And I, I try to live by that philosophy. You know, you get the classic shot just to make sure you have it. It's in your portfolio. If you're a photographer, you have to. But then, yeah, definitely get get kind of weird with it and, you know, zoom in really tight or zoom out or whatever.
1: I said, well, I was saying, get the cliche out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I knew
2: that was coming. <laughs> oh, totally though.
0: She's referring also like we've often talked about, uh, for me, I have to, I, I don't want to take that picture down the Valley. I want to mm-hmm. resist the urge to do that 20% that, that, cause I'd I could feel it sucking me towards it. And I don't want to just fall into that groove. And Suzanne was advising me to go ahead and get the cliche out of the way. And then you can relax. Then you can do your thing. And so for me, it might be just one shot. I'm going to get that one shot and then then have fun.
2: And, you know, it sounds silly, but there will be times when a client contacts me and they're like, hey, we need a shot of. Antelope Canyon, and even though it's the same shot they could get from a thousand other photographers I'm glad I took the stereotypical shot because that's what I they want. My- <laughs> you know, My super artistic weird shots might be more pleasing to me, but at the end of the day also you got to eat
1: what is, what is the shot that you are sort of most proud of? Um, is, it, do, is it that polar bear shot that you described earlier? Or is as I ask you that question, is there another shot that like pops into your mind?
2: Yeah, I have two actually specifically. Um, mm-hmm. and this is kind of sad because they were taken three years ago, about 12 hours apart from each other. And I guess I haven't done anything good since then. But <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Not obviously, true. also in Montana, um, they're just... They were kind of the photos that really turned it from like I wanted to be a professional photographer to I actually have a portfolio now. And, um, you know, I have to admit they were kind of just a gift from the perfect conditions. I was just fortunate to be in the right place at the right time. But it was the sunset um, was like the most incredible sunset I've ever seen. And I happened to be on the right part of the road and pulled over and got the shot. And then um, it was right after the beautiful clouds happened, the worst storm I've seen in decades blew in those howling winds and rain I legitimately was worried my tent wouldn't survive um dragged myself out of this soaking wet tent uh five in the morning to go find sunrise and I got a rainbow over Swift Current Lake in Glacier National Park right at sunrise and I can send you both of these photos to check them out too but
1: that'll be great yeah we'll put them in the show notes
2: perfect still to this day though those stick in my mind as I mean, I've not only, like, had them used for the most different things. They're, like, my iconic photos, but they they really mean a lot to me from it was, like, right before I quit my day job to do it for real, and it just kind mm-hmm. of felt like a sign from the universe that I was on the right path.
1: That's great. Yeah.
0: It's such a, um, you know, it, it's such a good example of um, success being this union of preparation and opportunity. Like, you yeah. couldn't. You, you, it's like people marvel at that picture and you did so much to get ready for it but you still needed that magic lucky something to happen but you had to be ready for that to happen and that applies to so many things photography, business, so many things and it's yeah. just a great example Like climbing up there and getting a rainbow and totally,
2: and it's, yeah it's a combination of conditions and preparation things sure. you do um,
0: control and things you cannot ever control and it has to be both Yep,
2: absolutely.
1: I have, a, I have a question, Nate. You wrote um a article um, in your, kind of like the journal section mm-hmm. of your website, and it's called Why I Bring a Camera. Um, yeah. Could you could you talk about that a little bit? I, f- I found it really interesting.
2: Sure. Oh, I wrote that one a while ago, so I'm not sure I remember entirely uh, <laughs> what it consists of, but um, I think it kind of just goes back to what I was talking about, of, you know, like capturing those moments and how sometimes things the memories are beautiful but uh, I really enjoy being able to visually reminisce I guess Um, Is that more or less the gist of it?
1: Yeah no I mean I mean basically it's I I just I also really liked kind of the opening line it was why I bring a camera I like to know things and you sort of you're saying basically my entire existence is sort of summarized in that single sentence and I I I just really enjoyed this idea of kind of learning um, was what really drove what what really kind of drove that.
2: Yeah absolutely I am uh, I'm an obsessive researcher as a passion, which is not always the best, I guess. Um, that definitely means I spend too many hours glued to the Google, but um, <laughs> that, you know, it's kind of a fun way to, to be, I guess. I like to to know things, like like that opening line says. It's, it's one of my true passions, and I guess photography is probably the best distillation of that, where, um, you know, like I was saying, it started as a casual interest, and then turned into a, a passion and a hobby, and then morphed into an obsession, and now it's a career. I think um, it's,
0: just- it, it's you're a, an amazing poster boy for this dream that everybody has. Mm-hmm. That you just pick. I mean, it's like picking up an instrument. You picked up a camera, and it's almost a it's it's more possible than it ever was because people have these increasingly good cameras in their phones, right? So everyone's out there yeah. and could have that moment of your experience where they just do it because they do it and it's feels great or they make something that's beautiful and they can't believe maybe they've got a talent for this or maybe it takes some work but they want to do that work
2: yeah and you've abs- done it <laughs> but
1: he's, I mean, I think that's what I really liked about this article, actually, was that it just, it, you kind of take us through the process of learning, it was like, where you just were sort of interested in the beginning, and then you became, you know, to use your words, like, weirdly obsessed, yeah. um, and then it was like, but you put in the work, where it was like, you wanted to sort of share these things with uh, the way you were seeing the world, you wanted to share with your friends, do they see it that way, too, and as your photos kind of got better, it wasn't just like, okay, I read about it, now I'm a master, it was really, no, no do and do and do again and learn from the things that aren't that aren't that that aren't working and and kind of continue to do and continue to practice. It was it's just the, it's kind of like the story of like grit, you know, really on um, yeah, getting better.
2: For sure. And to Ruben's point, you know, we're in this really awesome moment in human history where we have infinite knowledge at our fingertips and um, you're totally right. So many new photographers want to learn and want to figure out how they can go. And, uh, it's awesome if you're willing to put the effort in to do the research, you can, you can become an Annie Leibovitz caliber photographer on your own. It's going to be extremely difficult and you're going to have to do a lot of reading and practicing, but it's, you know, no other humans in the history of our species have had this opportunity to learn almost anything we want at our fingertips for free. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: After, I mean, now that you are, now that photography is sort of your profession, do you have any new hobbies or new things that you're, that you're learning, um, as, as like your side project,
2: picking up the guitar, and maybe your
1: future career? <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, I hope not. No, I'm trying to stop that, um uh, trade a little bit. Cause my previous career I mentioned was in the brewing industry, um, that also began as a hobby that I took too seriously. Well, <laughs> so I'm really trying to avoid going down that path a third time. You know, I got to eventually settle in. I want to retire someday. I don't want to always be an up-and-comer.
0: <laughs> it's fun to start new things and learn new things and be an up-and-comer again. It's like once you scaled that mountain, sometimes it's nice to go back to the, another kind of another
2: mountain, right?
1: Where is the place that you haven't yet gone um, to photograph that you dream of going
2: Antarctica. Ooh,
1: it's a good one. If
2: anybody has an extra twenty grand that they aren't using, <laughs> I'll take it.
1: they can sponsor you, <laughs> sure.
2: It's just a dream. I don't know why I'm drawn to these like horrible environments, but they just tend to be gorgeous. Uh, it seems like the worse the weather, the more beautiful the landscape oh, is. Oh,
0: that's true. Oh, right. Yeah, and that's true. Even in urban environments, if you're the worse the weather, the better the photographs are going to be
2: that's definitely true i actually was doing a project in north carolina last year when hurricane florence hit i was in wilmington Mm -hmm. the town that got it the worst and same thing i really wanted to stick around because i was like man a hurricane that'd be so fun to photograph and obviously i didn't and i'm glad i didn't but yeah
1: (laughs) i was going to say
0: Mm -hmm. i'm curious about something you said that um you take these the uh, pictures for your clients and or the 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 pictures sometimes they really want to use but they're not always the fun ones for you. Maybe people don't like those as much or they don't sell as easily or whatever. I'd like to see those. I'm curious what your pictures that you love the most are. Maybe you could describe something like that you think is I don't know that you're afraid to put you you haven't put out there but it's really you you know
2: yeah. And you know I've, I've thought about that a lot and it's um, I think sometimes as a photographer we, we tend to get like a little esoteric with like the quality of a photo and like you know you'll you'll zoom in and be like, boy, I love the way the sunlight's hitting these pebbles on the sidewalk and I love the photo and then an average person looks at it and they're like, dude, it's a sidewalk. <laughs> I, want, I want the photo of like the sunset on the beach where I, and yeah. you know to me I'm like oh, that's kind of bland, it's just a beach sunset. who cares? It's not, you know, it's not to say that I am more qualified to form an opinion on that. I think it's just that when you spend your life through a viewfinder, you kind of focus on things that maybe aren't <laughs> as interesting to a general observer.
1: What is um? What do you have hanging on your walls?
2: Um, we actually have a ten-foot bull shark named Bruce hanging on our walls, which is not a photo, but that's my favorite right. thing. Here, I'll show you. I'll take you. <laughs> because I feel like people think I'm joking. Whoa, I see it. jeez, I see it. There he is. That's Bruce. Is that a real shark? It's a a fiberglass replica. Uh, Oh, the teeth are real, the teeth are real. So my girlfriend, Autumn, who's actually also a um, professional photographer and a Sony ambassador as well. uh, You guys are a power Sony couple. That's the dream, right? (laughs) She used to work at an aquarium and they were remodeling and they were going to throw it away. And God bless her. She said, can I have it? <laughs> Which is awesome. So, um, uh, but what I think dream Suzanne dream meant dream.
0: was what ph- photographs are on your walls. Cause we are talking about photography, although the shark yes, is absolutely. fascinating and I do love I sharks. Yes. That
2: was a huge, a huge diversion there. <laughs> um,
1: Actually, can we, can we have a picture? Do you mind taking a picture of that giant shark? We'll put that in the show notes as well. It's Bruce, it. pretty impressive.
2: <laughs> For sure. Um, we don't have a ton of my art. I actually just moved in to this apartment uh, fairly recently, so I don't have a ton of art hanging up yet. Congratulations! Uh, thank you. Yeah. Yes, um, we do have some giant prints that Autumn made when she was in college uh, as a photography major. Silver gelatin prints. Oh, they're just—they're oh. uh, like, real photographs. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, real photographs of Spider-Man figurines. So I guess oh, – I don't know cool. if that makes you revoke the statement about real photographs, no, no. but I think – That's so. a real – photo. it doesn't
0: matter what you take. It's a silver print. It's uh, Yeah. Great- well, hopefully you'll show us what those are too. Absolutely. So those are – yeah. the. do you have none of your own? None of your own pictures up?
2: I have uh, three 24 by 30 metal prints of my own that are leaning against the wall still. So um, – one of them is a, uh, a skier uh, walking on a, a ridgeline at sunset. It's one of my favorite photos. And then I would actually have to look. The other one is a reflection of Two Jack Lake in Banff. 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 Yeah. I found that I always say it with an M. It just, like, is more comfortable for my mouth, even though I know I'm saying it wrong, and I, I'm i glad nobody's called me out on it I yet. I always say Banff. I won't tell. Yeah. Banff. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, well, you should, um, but, yeah. so you print this on metal that's interesting just because it has a cool look
2: yeah I really like metal I love the float mount against the wall I think it's very classy the metal is very sharp and vibrant which kind of matches my artistic style um, I've found a lot of customers like canvas a lot because it's kind of classy but it to me loses a lot of detail and depth have you tried
0: archival papers have you ever printed on like really nice art paper
2: um I have not actually but I have dove deep into the the Moab paper portfolio and have dreamed about plenty of them yes
0: It's not just a dream Anyway you should uh, like completely offline we could talk about neo modern I mean you should learn about what we do cuz it would it's a great way to see your prints but I I don't want I, I don't want to use the
2: soapbox to talk about that of course If you have a wall that they can hang on let's make it happen <laughs>
1: Nate, if you could describe your photography in one word, what word would you choose?
2: Oh, one word. Probably vibrant. I love color. Mm -hmm. And I've never Mm -hmm. shied away from it, even when it was popular on Instagram to underexpose and desaturate and fade the blacks. I just, I like color and that's the way I'd go. So I would say vibrant. Cool. Have you
1: ever shot black black and white?
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I just... You know, there was that like four-year period where the like, the most popular photos were like very moody and kind of that like film color grading and yeah. I just never went down that path because for me, like the world's colorful and I just really love showing that off. Do
0: you yeah. have Do you have a kind of a process you go through in post production to that it, that you put all your pictures kind of through? Is there a way that you make pictures look a little?
2: Um. I don't actually. I edit every photo individually, which I'm sure slows me down quite a bit, especially when I'm on like a big assignment. Um, and I've had a lot of people, you know, ask for for presets, etc. And I just I've never gone down that route because I feel like if you take a photo and you like it enough to want to edit it, you should do it justice. Um, I've made a couple for myself to like give me a starting point, like for every polar bear photo because it's a white bear on white snow. There's, like, a couple adjustments I make to every photo, so I saved a preset, but in general, I give them all individual attention. That's nice.
1: Um, um, is there anything, any work that you have out there that you would want our listeners to maybe know about or something you'd want to promote, maybe an upcoming project? or um, You know, thing? I
2: guess the main thing to promote is that uh, I do teach workshops all over the world, so if anybody has, you know, enjoyed listening to me blabber and they want to do it in person when they can't escape by turning their phone off... Um, <laughs> You're welcome to come join me. We teach uh, a Northern Lights workshop in Norway. I teach one in wow. Peru, I where I take you to Machu Picchu. Um, all sorts of them. So those are all on my website, and they are—they're so fun that you'll probably never recover. That's how we market them. Are you the
0: you're the photographer <laughs> right. on the trip? Are you the trip leader? Like, are you keeping yeah. us alive? Yeah. Also, someone has to keep yep. us alive, right?
2: Yeah, I am very proud of my eighty-five percent survival rate. I I'll lose take those barely. Odds. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, well nate, yeah no, right, uh, i'm the trip leader on them and then if we're somewhere with you know bears or dangerous wildlife we have guides uh, appropriate for those scenarios
0: awesome awesome well nate thank you so much for joining us it was really great to talk to you and we'll see you in yeah. san francisco if not sooner let's wrap it up all right great oh.
2: meeting both of you thank Cheers. you
1: all right, well, thank you to our guest, Nate Lubey. Our show is recorded and produced in San Francisco. Go to neomodern.com slash podcast to get show notes, see photos, and post comments. Please leave ratings and reviews on iTunes or wherever you listen, and don't forget to subscribe.
0: We get new listeners from you telling your friends and spreading the word. If you know someone who might get something from us, send them a link. Thank you to Nate for joining us today, uh, to Mitchell Foreman for our theme music, and for all of you for hanging out with us. We appreciate your attention and hope you've given me some things to think
2: about. Until next time.